1: as comfy as i can be either
3: you know do you need me um, to raise
2: that leg no for you? no i'm okay are I'm
3: you okay, sure? yeah yeah, you've yeah been, I, so. I
2: don't think that you and gardening are a particularly good mix if i'm honest
3: it's not it's not worked out well no, for me over, I mean, the, over recent times it has a, it.
2: last time you did gardening you ended up with a black eye this time you've got a gash that must be a good six inches yeah and a, so. and a load of stitches We're the Speakmans, married couple, life change therapists, TV therapists, and authors of many books, including our brand new one, Everyday Confidence. If you know us, you've probably gathered, we spend a lot of time together, but I've got to be honest, and I've got to admit, I do have a bit of time to myself on the occasional spa day treat, or actually when I'm ironing.
3: Together, we help and show people how to conquer a whole host of anxieties they thought they might be stuck with for life. So that could be a particular phobia panic attacks ocd confidence or a relationship issue here we chat about our own unique approach to therapy as well as hearing from others how they've managed to overcome their difficult obstacles so that you feel confident about making a change in your life
2: so now's the time to take yourself for a nice gentle stroll this is making the change So I think moving forward, we uh, we lose the. I garden. should sack it. I, th- I would say so. Yeah,
3: but you know what? I'm 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 quite tenacious, and uh, you know, when I drove in this morning, I was looking at our garden. I thought some bits need doing there, and who knows? No, uh,
2: Nick, we'll th- we'll leave your garden in there after that leg injury. And is it all right? Is it throbbing? It's still? It's,
3: it's burning more than anything, but yeah, it's all right. And
2: you're getting it checked later today as well, yes, aren't you? I am. Oh. Poor you. Well, never mind. We'll, uh, you, you did get spoiled though. So that was a good thing. And you've been by all of us. I've got to say,
3: However, the NHS, incredible. Oh, and and you know, it's one of those things that, and I think hopefully people have, have kept that through COVID. They went out and clapped for the NHS and people, it made them feel grateful for the NHS. And I hope that doesn't wane because amazing. I was... So grateful for yeah, Sunday. No, yeah.
2: And I just, all I'm yeah. hoping, Nick, is that obviously right now we've got our family Speakman Olympics going on. So I hope that that doesn't It interfere. doesn't impede the, the
3: Olympics. Well, do you know what? I, I think I was the favourite in all the events anyway. <laughs> so the you. fact that I've got this little injury will probably give you and, uh, and Liv and Hunter a bit of a chance. I don't think uh, but so. All to, just talking about Olympics, why do Olympic sprinters, what do they eat before a race? You know, the 100 metres. The fastest sprinters on the planet. What do they eat before a race? I have no clue, Nick. Nothing. They're fast.
2: Anyway. Let me read this email, which was a really lovely email to receive because it did mention about how much our podcast had helped. However, it's also a really interesting topic because it's something that we are asked about so frequently. So the email says, hi, Nick and Eva. I just wanted to write and say thank you. The beginning of last year, I was a totally different person, crippled with health anxiety and worried sick about death, death, dying and losing everyone in my life. The intrusive thoughts were constant. I'm a hairdresser and there was a few months where it seemed a lot of my clients either died or told me about family members of theirs who had passed away. And coincidentally, a lot of my mum's and auntie's friends were getting sick and passing away as well. It's funny, isn't it? When you've got an issue, you sort of suddenly seem more aware of things.
3: Well, it's like anything and it It comes down to our a gateway, the reticular activating system, because whatever we tell it's important to us, we look for it, and and if that if that importance is in
2: health in that health means- and
3: and you know in a bad way, yeah. we'll see more of that. Yeah. But you know, which is why. Gratitude is, is so. And, cool. and it's also
2: yeah. why phobias feel like they get bigger because what we're actually doing is the thing that we're trying to avoid, we're telling ourselves is to kind look of, for it. To look for it because we've got to avoid it. And that kind of exercises it and makes it even bigger. Anyway, let me carry on with this email. So at the end of twenty nineteen, for my birthday, I got the weirdest gift from my mum. Among other gifts, she had bought and paid for my funeral. Why wow, that is a weird gift? That is a weird Yeah, issue, that's, so. not,
3: that's not a very nice so, gift, yeah. is it? Really? Well, she
2: said that, you know, she'd bought she'd bought and paid for a funeral. I was shocked that she had done this. The way she explained it was that now that this was paid for, I wouldn't need to worry about this expense down the line. I now know from doing a timeline that this was the trigger. So, I mean, like you say, that is an odd gift, but two sides Look, to every story. Oh, of
3: course, and, and there's obviously good reasons behind it, and she thought she was doing a nice thing, but... Yeah, it's a bit but, tough because when I die, I'm not bothering you. Just throw me in a skip. I'm not bothered either, honestly. Why, why should I worry about being buried? Right, I've got
2: that, a recording of that. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. But what's really interesting is that because his mum highlighted to him that he wasn't going to be here forever, suddenly that became an issue. But the thing that really Massive. interested me was where he said, I now know from doing a timeline that this was the trigger. Isn't it interesting that he hadn't considered? that this fear of death, dying, other people dying, illness, was suddenly associated to that. But again, we always say, I don't we, about timeline. it's timeline's
3: always... The start, isn't it? Anyway, let me just finish. Honestly, this
2: is the last bit. So, from then on, my anxiety grew to the point I was having panic attacks daily and had to give up my job. I thought about death from the moment I opened my eyes until I went to bed. And the only peace I got was when I was asleep. I just felt hopeless and worried constantly that I was going to drop dead or lose my parents or my partner, Mark, from some disease. Mark was worried about me. I stopped eating. My skin was going grey. I was depressed. I then stumbled across your YouTube channel, When searching for tips to relieve anxiety and instantly you both started to make me feel better. Ah, that's nice. Just hearing the words that I wasn't born feeling like this, then it must have been something that had triggered my anxiety. And that put my mind at ease. I watched your videos constantly and then your podcasts. I've seen death for what it is, a part of life and out of my control. I realized that I needed to enjoy my life while I could and not spend it worrying about when it was gonna end. I now can't imagine having the kind of negative thoughts I had before because you've given me a new thought process. Thank you so much, John. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't it? That's Isn't lovely. It?
3: And, and, and just shows you how there's different sides to every story yes. because his mum bought him that present because she didn't want him to worry about funeral expenses, but you know that's
2: also a generational right. thing because maybe when you get you we start getting older, we do think about things like that. But if John, you know, John's a young guy, he, he isn't thinking about things like that. But suddenly, because of what his mum did, it suddenly highlighted to him the possibility that one day he won't be here. I guess, but
3: it was a good thing, um,
2: yeah. No, that she was. tried to do, but massively
3: backfired because all it did was suddenly, uh, and I don't know how she delivered it to him. Was it like? You know, a voucher. <laughs> what was it? Did he open an envelope? I don't know, but what, what was it? But like, he just fo- from that moment he focused on yeah. the fact that he was going to die.
2: Yeah, and the fact is, is that, and I, and I know a lot of people that that speak to us about a fear of death. Uh, they, so many people, and they do. But one thing I always say to everybody, because everybody, like you know, a lot of people. That, that we see, obviously, because they've got a kind of a phobia, we will say that they fear death. But but I always say the same thing. And like I say, I know they think I'm a bit peculiar, but I'll go...
3: Oh, well, I thought that for you. There's nothing new but, there, is there?
2: But I always say, death isn't what kills you. And they kind of look at me a bit perplexed, like "What are you talking about, Eva?" But it's not death that kills you; it's something else. It's an illness or whatever. And, th- and, th- and there's things that we can do to prolong our life. But
3: just put that into perspective for anyone that's thinking, what what is she on about? Yes, right? do please. Nobody on the planet has had a death certificate, and it said cause of death, death. Thank right. you.
2: Thank Never. That's right. exactly there's always what a reason.
3: Exactly there's always something, I mean. right? And, and the yeah. fact
2: is, is like John said, and and I'm really pleased that he took that and his perspective was changed through yes. what we shared on the podcast. Was that you know realizes it's, it's out of his control. It's a part of life, and that there's so much more to life. You've got to you know enjoy it whilst you're here. And and what's also interesting is that he talked about his symptoms throughout that email. He talked about the panic attacks, the obsessing about death, the sort of negative thoughts that came in, intrusive thoughts that would come in. But until you actually find the origin or the cause of those symptoms, they could persist. So him doing a timeline, even though people listening might feel it's obvious now listening to this, but when you're embroiled in something and it's happening to you, you don't really think about it, do you? Because it's just life plays and no. Because suddenly,
3: on. You just you're anxious. As John said, he's just anxious all the time, and and you don't always think about. Well, when did this start? Yeah. And using the timeline and tracking it back, and you know, we say, when did it start? Remember the time you weren't anxious. And then the time that you were. And there's always a pivotal point. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, whether it was opening that envelope or whatever it was, that was it. And yeah. when you realise that was it, then you can deal with yeah, it. Yeah,
2: because you change your perspective on that. It doesn't mean that you're getting that means you're going to die any sooner. Absolutely not. Quite the contrary. Now, John might be able to use that to his advantage and go, right, well, I don't even need to worry about that. So I really can. Enjoy my life. i
3: wonder if he should contact them and get his money back and just have a party to celebrate his <laughs> life. Oh. That's what I think.
2: Um, but on that note, we've yes. got two very interesting and exciting guests who I'm very much looking forward to speaking to, who have also had their share of anxieties and worries and as we always say it's not what's wrong with you it's what happened to you so i'm interested to hear what happened to them I, and
3: i'm very excited to speak to them
2: yeah i'm very excited and both how do we very... name them
3: they i mean it's I they uh they are it's it, ian and jeremy but they're, they're known to so many people as all on the board yeah,
2: i feel like we need a ding ding there yeah we know, should like have a, had yeah, so yeah. we've now got jeremy and ian from all on the board Ding, ding.
3: Do you know one thing, obviously because they're uh, uh transport for London, one thing I always think about, ticket inspectors, you know, got to hand it to them.
2: Oh. Hi, Jeremy <laughs> and Ian. Thanks both so much for joining us. Honestly, we we're, we're so grateful because we think that you two are just awesome. Superstars. You are. You just spread this amazing positivity and kindness and understanding and compassion to like so many people like hundreds of thousands of people actually but do tell us a little bit about all on the board what it is and how it all started.
4: Do you know what uh, Jeremy loves sort of like explaining the start of our sort of journey so I'll, I'll leave it to him to explain the start of it
5: yeah uh, cheers for that Ian he likes to do that every now and again um yeah 2017 it started so we um we both work on the underground unlike other staff that you, you might be accustomed to we are in a special team that works all over the underground uh, mostly at events where there's football going on or concerts things like that and we were working at North Greenwich and there was a Craig David concert happening and we just started kind of like joking between us um you know in in the kind of way that you do with your colleagues um about you know what songs we knew about Craig David and and how we could you know make them fun so we just kind of started bantering with some of the customers about walking away and things like that and um we saw just in front of us there was this really dingy looking whiteboard that just said the words keep right it was it was filthy we thought that looks you can't we do something a bit more fun with that and um, within a few minutes, we kind of came up with a short poem that was uh, using the lyric, uh, the songs of Craig David, as well as kind of explaining to customers, you know, what to do with their tickets and so on. And and we wrote that up, and and the reaction was immediate. People kind of stopped, double double took, looked at it, laughed, took selfies in front of it, and we were we were blown away by the fact that people liked it. And over time, we just kind of got more confident in what we were doing, and started writing you know, more personal things, which kind of delved into mental health with Ian's conditions, my conditions. And then from there, we started to realize, you know, we're really having an impact here. People are really kind of taking notice of things we're saying. So we're having a really strong impact on people who, you know, didn't know anyone, knew anything about what they were going through. They felt alone and we were kind of helping them get through what can be a really lonely place on the tube. And changing the whole day basically on, on just a few words on a board, so we just kept on going and next thing you knew you know was it four years on now uh, we've we 've got i think over a million followers across our social media we now have a have a book, and there 's still so many things to write about that we just want to keep going basically
2: so I know you, you mentioned about mental health there, so to start with uh, with yourself jeremy what you know, do you mind? Obviously, just tell us whatever you feel comfortable with. But what kind of things have you do you struggle with?
5: I've kind of realised, I think, a few months back, just a few months back, funnily enough, that I I suffer specifically from social anxiety. I mean, even right now, I've got a bit of a sweaty palm to me from just uh, just chatting with you guys, but but that's easing off thanks to to you being so lovely. But um, I go to work on the underground, and I'm surrounded by you know thousands, if not millions, of people a day that. And all kinds of situations that are really, if you have social anxiety, you don't want to be around. So every day I go to work, it's a, it's a battle. But I, I get through it, mostly because I think I've, I mean, I read your book, Everyday Confidence. And I was reading this book, and I was like, oh, my God, I've been doing those things. And I've been getting through, you know, these situations because of the things that that book says. And and I didn't realize I was already doing those things. And they they work, like especially breathing. Breathing gets me through so much. And just recognizing in the moment if something's playing on me, like just to try and see it from another perspective, not just things then, but like thinking, oh, have I been through this before? And, and how did I get through it before? And, and, I, and I didn't realize I've been doing these things to kind of get through it all these years. But obviously there's something still deep down, way back, uh, and I still can't figure out what it is that's causing me to still have that, that kind of niggling anxiety.
2: You're absolutely right that there is something that goes far back. And this is a comment that Nick and I literally we must make it more than five, six times a day. Because when we're speaking to people, we always keep saying, look, it's not what's wrong with you, it's what happened to you. Because no one is born with social anxiety. No one's born with lack of confidence, for example. So what we know is that something has happened in your lifetime to make you socially anxious. Because ultimately what you're doing is you're protecting yourself from being sociable because of something that felt uncomfortable in the past. The brain's amazing and it just wants to protect us constantly. So it's kind of on high alert in social situations. And just to give you an example to, to think about and you know it's things like either copied behavior so you've got a parent who maybe is socially anxious more often than not it's because of an experience we've had personally and that can be something at school where you're speaking out and then you know the kids laugh at you in class because you've put your hand up you've answered something wrong or you've read something out wrong and they all start laughing at you it can be that you're in a social situation and everybody turns around and looks at you because of something that's happened it can be that you've got a sibling Perhaps that has always spoken for you. These are all different components, but there's always, always a foundation and an origin. And have you any idea at all what that could be?
5: So I, I thought it was um, when I, I think I must have been around seven or eight years of age in primary school, and um, uh, I'm half Irish, and I remember always being quite proud about the fact that I was kind of half Irish, and you know, and, and everyone else seemed to be just. Um, I didn't know where everyone else was, but I thought being half Irish is somehow really spectacular. So I used to talk about it a lot to, to the other kids. And I remember there was um, a day where I was in a circle in the in library in the school and the teacher asked everyone if they, if they knew Irish dancing. And uh, in this circle, and I laugh about it now. Like this, this is what, this is why I'm not too sure if this is the thing. There was two of us there. It was an Irish girl, and there was me. And and I remember feeling like all the other kids were like looking at me, like because I'm always saying I'm half Irish. So I kind of put my hand up, and she put her hand up, and the teacher said, "Oh, that's great. So um, could you guys stand up and and show us some Irish dancing?" And uh, and and I kind of stood up because I felt this kind of like insane pride. Like I I can't not do this now. I've got to do this, even though I had no idea what Irish dancing was. And then as soon as she started dancing and she knew what Irish dancing was, so she was doing it properly. I still I can feel it now. I wish I could show you. Well, I was just like flapping my feet like this one foot forward and another foot like like shaking off some mud or something. And it was totally it was totally wrong. And I just felt like I was I was heating up and everything was getting red and then I sat down and the teacher was fine about it. Everyone else was kind of fine about it. No one ever talked about it again. But I just remember feeling this kind of deep failure. I guess, that I, you know, that I let down that kind of Irish side of me or something after, you know, loving the fact that I was half Irish. And after that, I think, yeah, it just... But I know that. I know I know what that is. And I know, you know, that, there was, that I didn't fail or anything, you know, but it, I'm still socially anxious. So it's, it might be something worse.
3: Now, what I'd like you to consider about that situation, because you said, I remember, and I remember feeling hot. And what I'd like you to do is... is if you could just put yourself back in that situation, Jeremy, and, and just notice that the biggest issue you're talking about there is judgment, right? You were, you felt you're being judged by your classmates because, and you say that you felt that you had to do this because you've mentioned the Irish thing before. So I just want you to think, if, if you look back at that time and tell me how it feels knowing that all everyone in your class was looking at you and potentially judging you.
5: Yeah. Yeah, no, like, it, it, you do I, I feel the heat just telling the story right,
2: right there you go um, that, that answers the question then Jared that is your foundation. I was watching you as you were telling us and just listening to everything you said and the fact that you were 7 or 8 most impressionable times that do cause us ongoing issues forever unless we challenge them and deal with them are between the ages of 5 and 13 most common but the 7 or 8 is a big one and I do think that that is the origin of your And, and the fact
3: it. that you said I felt that I had let your
2: heritage your
3: heritage down right That's the big issue, right? So, essentially, you can't, because of that, because if that's a reference or what's known as a schema for your behaviour around people, then you don't want to do anything because you don't want to get judged because you don't want to feel that you're letting anyone down. But here's the thing that I want you to consider.
2: When he says that, it means that it's going to help you to change your perspective.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What I want you to consider, right, is number one, how amazing the fact that you stood up, right? Now, I know that you told everyone that you're half Irish and people were looking at you, but maybe they weren't. Maybe they were just looking around, seeing who was going to step up. But you did it. The second thing is, nobody laughed at you. And no matter what you were doing, I know you're flicking the feet and you had no clue what you were doing. I could see that in your face, right? However, nobody laughed. And as you said, no one talked about it afterwards, so no one judged you in a bad way.
2: If anything, they probably judged you in a positive way because number one, they don't know what Irish dancing looks like, so they expect from now on they. they, That's it, right?
3: So, so they now go and watch Riverdance for Michael Flatley and go, he's got it wrong. I saw Jeremy doing that. I know. Yeah.
2: So that's the first thing. The second thing is, uh, the second thing is actually that we know you weren't socially anxious at that point, otherwise you would have never stood up. So
3: Never, that's the starting point, for sure. So that's
2: the great news is that you weren't born with it. The fact that you stood up just shows actually how incredible and brave you actually are. The fact that you stood up, did that, did it wrong, but nobody knew, nobody challenged it, nobody laughed at you, meant that they were all pretty impressed and the teacher probably thought, wow, that's amazing. Because for a seven or eight year old kid to stand up and dance, whether you did know how to do Irish dancing or not, was a really brave thing to do. And
3: And she might not know what you she might have thought wow i didn't realize they did it like that she didn't know either
2: <laughs> so in a nutshell what we're saying there and we hope that we've helped to change your perspective a little bit there because i do believe that was the foundation and even you know if, even if those kids would have laughed and i would be saying to you well look just don't do river dancing or irish dancing in front of anybody anymore because other than that you were all good but even when you did that you were still good so and,
3: and obviously fast forward going to work People want your help and advice when you're in the tube station. The people that know that you're one of the authors of the board actually love that. No one's asking you to dance. So where's the problem?
2: There you go.
3: You know what though? Um,
5: Me and Ian sometimes ask them to dance. So I don't know. (laughs) That's us doing reverse psychology. (laughs) Um, No, you know what though, guys? Um, Yeah, uh, honestly, that that's brilliant. That I agree. Most probably is that as you're saying the start of it all and and as I say I only just kind of like figured it out a few months ago that that's what my anxiety was because I was looking at we were, we were actually trying to write a poem about people kind of coming out of lockdown and the anxiety of it all the social anxiety aspects that we thought would be big and while we were looking at it I just suddenly got stuck like oh my god I'm reading about me what's going on you know that I've been looking back and from your book I was creating my timeline as you say in the book create timeline and and that was the earliest one that I could think of and and you've just kind of now kind of confirmed to me that, yeah, that's that's where it all started. So, yeah, I'll be working on that, I think, from, from now on.
2: Moving on to you, Ian, we know that you have an issue with kind of swallowing and and foods. And again, knowing that it's not what's wrong with you, it's what happened to you. We're all born being able to swallow. We're all born being able to speak out, actually. You know, we're all born able to socialise, we're able to swallow. But something occurred, obviously, we know for Jeremy, something occurred in his life that made him that heightened his awareness around social situations and people looking at him. But with yourself, Ian, we know that you had an event that made you more aware of swallowing. And that was because your dad had an issue with his throat. But as a little boy you would see him eat and then have to go to the bathroom and be sick and or cough, etc. So you kind of created an inaccurate learning very early on that there is an issue around food and swallowing. And then you had a couple of incidents with boiled sweets as well from memory, is that right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think before the age of seven, I had uh, sort of two separate occasions where I choked on a boiled sweet. Yeah, it kind of, you know, that stuck with me. And, and then it just I remember being held over a sink and sort of smacked by my dad sort of thing. Uh, don't call the child services. He, like, he was trying to save me and all that. But yeah, it's just um, so, so I had sort of that, those going on in my mind. And as well as that, every, every dinner that we'd have as a family, my mum, my dad, my sister and myself, we'd have to sort of eat in silence and then like halfway through my dad would make like you'd see him make little movements like he was uncomfortable and then he'd run off to the bathroom and then like myself my mum, and my sister we'd just be sitting there and we could hear like my dad sort of like throwing up or or coughing I mean uh, doing the timeline from your book it it kind of that's where it kind of stems from and I've had sort of uh, occurrences like different things along the way where it's just kind of built up built up built up and yeah for the last seven years it's just been i've seen food as the enemy and food is not the enemy. you know what i mean there's there's so many different wonderful foods i could be eating but just in my head every every time i was trying to eat and swallow you know there was a little voice saying oh no 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 if you swallow you're gonna die and and that would happen every time i ate food and it's just like you know I've i've not been able to eat for pleasure for the last like seven years you know the, the only thing that I enjoy or enjoy it is uh, like bubblegum flavored ice cream with rainbow sprinkles and strawberry sauce. you know that was my kind of like that was my friend you know and like all, all the other food was kind of like you know and it was just like I can't put an accent to the voice but literally it was just like every time I was ready to swallow this voice was saying oh no 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 you can't swallow it you can't swallow it spit back out because like you're gonna die and it was just like it was just this constant battle like you know during meal times and like you know and it was just unavoidable you know if I if I had a fear of flying how many times would I fly a year but the fact that I've got to eat three meals four meals a day it's just and then the build up to the meals I was getting anxious during the meals I was getting anxious and then afterwards it just felt like throughout the whole meal it felt like i had been sort of like had my head held underwater and then after the meal it's just oh, I could breathe again. It was such a relief. And it was like, eating shouldn't be like this. You know, I uh, I was seeing it uh, as a necessity rather than enjoyment. You know, it was something that kept me alive. But at the same time, I thought it was trying to kill me.
2: Yeah, but you lost trust in your swallowing capabilities. Because can you swallow? Absolutely, yes, you can. And have you got any issues with your swallowing mechanism? Absolutely not. However, you were Mm. on heightened awareness and high alert again, because of what happened in your life. And then it's interesting that you say that, and then I've had more events. What actually happens is when we have a, a phobia of something, when we have a fear of something, we're very aware of it. So we do become aware if we've got an issue. So you said that you choked on sweets twice. You remember those two events vividly. I yeah. probably had events like that. Nick's probably had events like that. Jeremy's probably had events like that, but we kind of don't really remember them because it wasn't a big deal to us. And did you choke? Absolutely not. You just got something momentarily stuck or lodged, and then it got knocked out by a pat on the back. Or the fact is, is that the muscles in the esophagus are absolutely phenomenal, and they would have helped to, to, to sort of get those out. Anyway, but you'd lost trust in your swallowing. And, and,
3: and the reason why we say so we've, we've all choked on things, but it wasn't a big deal because we'd not been shown that throats are potentially an issue. Right, but you got shown that by your dad, by you were looking and, and you were trying to make sense of something, and obviously you since found out that the aperture in his throat wasn't wide enough, and he had to have an operation for it. But you yeah. had this heightened awareness around eating food uh, and at meal times, and it was even enhanced because you said that no one could speak, so. Everything, so there's no one talking about anything, so the whole experience is sort of watching what's going on, and you copied your dad's behaviors, which is why that when you did choke and you know and children choke all the time on sweets and so on, but they don't remember it because they didn't have the heightened awareness before that to look at swallowing and, and the fact that swallowing may be an issue
2: and again so the way forward i know we've already done a little bit of work with you on this and we, we sort of it's a bit of a continuation the difference i think with a swallowing phobia is because as you quite rightly say it's three times a day that this happens and oh more. oh my more. so we kind of have to build our confidence but the way forward is literally just realizing that your swallowing mechanism has never let you down nor is it let, let your mum and dad down because they're still here nor is it let your sister down because she's still here
3: and also you're not your dad
2: uh, and you're not your dad and you're You've not got the aperture and in the, in your, the uh, sort of smaller aperture in your throat like your, your dad had. But realising that it's it's not fair to blame anything or anyone for something that they've never done. And in essence, you've been kind of blaming your swallowing mechanism saying you're going to let me down when it actually never has. So when we can start to give our, cut ourselves a bit of slack and then realise that, you know, we've got a brilliant, if we don't interfere, it's fine and slowly building confidence up with different foods that's the sort of the way forward so which I know that you've been doing you have been eating more
4: yeah yeah absolutely and it's like after seeing the two of you it's kind of like um like I remember we were talking about it's kind of like the the child in me like choking back then or seeing my dad choke is it's kind of like he was the one sort of like speaking to me and it's kind of like you know and I was listening to him and it's like like like, like, like you said in the book I wouldn't take advice off a child you know what I mean unless it was. Uh, not about the latest games or technology, because I'm not really down, you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm not good with that. But, um, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's like, so I was kind of like listening to listening to this child and now I'm able to, if I get that voice pop up, I'm able to kind of like fry him answers back, you know, just say, well, no, I'm still here after 40, 44 years of eating, even though I look 26, you know? 26. Obviously, yeah. Story, you beat me too, Obviously, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, um, so, so I'm able to, sort of question it and then like you know there's 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 been some meals meal times that I haven't had to battle at all and not had to have this sort of uh, inner conversation and stuff. So, so yeah, I'm happy with that, yeah. Uh, well, we're really it...
2: proud of you. Do you know what? I know that we sort of, uh, our paths crossed because of social media, actually, but how we're so humbled and grateful to you for the difference that you both make to other people, even thousands of people you've never met. Do you know what I think is so lovely about you both, is that you're just both so down to earth. you just normal guys just helping to make a difference
3: and you are making a difference yeah
2: and
4: that's amazing
2: yeah so thank you both so so much we thank really you. do appreciate it thank you
4: so much for helping us uh just thank you for being you being wonderful and congratulations on your book and stuff it's it's going to help thousands you know
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly what Ian's just said. You guys are amazing. And what you've been doing for so long for so many people as well. I mean, if we can, if we can reach that height and, and do what you've been doing as well, as you say, we might well be helping a lot of people that we don't know.
2: Thank you so much, both of you. Really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right. See you later.
4: All right. Thank you. Bye.
2: To summarise with both, well, with everybody, it's not what's wrong with you. It is what's happened to you. So as with Jeremy, you find the start of it. You do that timeline. You find the start. You challenge that start as we did, change the perspective. Same with John. Yeah, same with John, as we, yeah, as John said. And then with Ian, same, obviously, with his swallowing. He had this hypervigilance because of. And that, that was a because of because he was a little boy at the time. Same with Jeremy. He was a little boy when those foundations started, those events started. And that's why they trouble them both now as adults because it's a distorted view from a child's perspective because obviously they don't have the life experience or the cognition at the ages of seven or eight, which coincidentally they were both about that age. They don't have the the cognition or the ability to kind of make sense of what's happening. So they put their own spin on it and both of them created this protection response, one protected against being judged and, and, and social situations, Ian being protected about his about being able to swallow because he's worried that he's going to choke. So you change the perspective on those events, practice through with it. But in the meantime as well, you know, as Jeremy said, he was saying about our breathing technique. The fact is when we feel anxious, when we feel stressed, our breathing changes, it becomes faster. So taking control of that will help to calm you down as well. So, and, and what I'm really pleased about is that Jeremy, Ian and John all identified that creating a timeline was their step starting to heal
3: of course we're going to be back next week but in the meantime please do hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss the future episodes and if you've got a moment to spare we'd love it if you could leave a little review too and you know if you really like it five star of course it really does make us feel amazing to know that people can make changes in their lives just as john did in this week's episode so if you've managed to make a positive change as a result of something you've heard in our podcast please do let us know
2: yeah we really do enjoy reading your reviews so keep those coming or get in touch with us on facebook which is the speakman's official instagram the speakman's or twitter the underscore speakman's Do let us know what we can help you to understand better. What big change are you hoping to make? Use that hashtag making the change and we'll keep an eye out for your message.
3: For today then, it's a massive, massive thank you to Ian and Jeremy, our lovely guests from All On The Board. Ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) And not forgetting our incredibly talented and amazing producer, Anoushka Tate for Orion Publishing Limited. And of course, saving the best to last thank you everyone to our podcast friends for listening
2: so until next time keep Keep making making the change change. bye this podcast is not a substitute for medical or psychological intervention nor is the content intended to replace therapy or medical help or
0: advice
3: we would therefore always strongly encourage you to speak with your doctor or a health professional about how you are feeling and also to inquire about counseling or therapy.